All right, we're going to jump into this. Before we do, I want to introduce some special guests. So Pastor Cam and Kirk, why don't you make your way up here? Give, let's make some noise for them while they come on up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, let me, let me hold these notes. I don't want you to hurt yourself too early. Hey, before we jump into this, I figure we need to loosen up a little bit. We need to get something. This is a football. This is how this thing, you know, Kurt's going to show us what to do with this. But here's the deal. Before we jump in, we're going to do a little football toss challenge. And so I wanted them to just kind of get this. So Kirk's going to go first. He's going to stand on the X right here. You got 15 seconds. Put it on the clock real quick. But let's show him where the target is real fast. Where's the target? Right there. So 15 seconds. To get as many as you can through the tube. There you go. What is that called? A tire. Never mind. Whatever. <laughs> On your mark. Get set. Go. 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 Okay, now I see why they pay you the big bucks. Okay, let's fill these things back up. Pastor Cam, loosen up. Come on, stretch it out. Stretch it out. Loose. We don't need you hurt going through this interview. Okay. That's right. All right, so 15 seconds on the clock. Are we ready for this? Okay, now there is home field advantage real fast. So please bring out Cam's target. All right, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about right there. Fair is fair, man. Fair, fair is, is fair. fair. <laughs> That's right. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. You got your boy repping right there. So, okay, 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock. Ready, set, go. Oh, no. Oh. Hey. Oh, come on. Brutal. 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 There it is. Brutal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Awesome, awesome. I have to say, I have to say, Pastor Cam has beat Captain Kirk in the challenge. Give it up for Pastor Cam. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Oh, my goodness. You know, I asked Kirk earlier if he's ever been to a church service where he didn't have to throw a football. I think, you know, he hadn't been cheated quite this bad before. But uh, anyway, man, we're glad. Glad you're here. And we're glad you're here. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of the series that we're calling Same Page, and we're talking about relationships, marriage, family, dating, all that kind of stuff. And we're trying to think of somebody that we could bring in that you would know who could speak to, you know, having a great marriage, a great relationship in what is, you know, a challenging environment. And man, Kirk and Julie Cousins just came to our mind. Uh, Kirk, as you know, is the uh, quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. His wife, Julie, is with us today. Man, let's thank God for Julie. She's back in the back with a little eight-week-old baby, y'all. Julie's with us. We're thrilled about that. But anyway, we're so glad that they could come and share with us. You know, there's so much news uh, these days about high-profile athletes and leaders who just botch their life. It's so refreshing, you know, to be able to meet somebody who's playing at the top of the NFL and yet honoring Christ every day and living a life that brings glory to God. And so, Kurt, we're glad to have you with us today, man. Thanks for coming. Thrilled to be here. We uh, got in yesterday, got a chance to tour Savannah. Oh, yeah? My wife is from Georgia, so she had been wanting to show me Savannah for a long time. So we're thrilled to be here. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Well, we're glad to have you here. Now, is Dr. Cousins, is that right? Dr. Cousins now? <laughs> I spoke at Michigan State's graduation on Friday before coming over here. And uh, in return, Michigan State gave me an honorary doctorate in humanities. LAUGHTER 
Right. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you do with it, but I guess it'll. I don't know what it means either, title. but I got a really sore knee. I want you to look at before you uh, leave here today. No, you Maybe. don't. <laughs> you don't want me to look at that. All right, man. Well, Kirk, uh, you did not have a typical path into the NFL. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you how you got in the NFL? Well, when I was growing up, I, I felt like NFL players must have had a red carpet all the way to the NFL through high school and college. They must have been the best of the best. And uh, even now in the NFL, looking back, I, I think, boy, you would, you would think that my path was a five-star recruit who had 100 scholarship offers and had this school to, to pick from. And then yeah. in college, the same thing. And right. that just really hasn't been my story. Wow. And uh, as a freshman in high school, I played on the freshman football team. As a sophomore in high school, I played on the JV team. So my very first varsity game was as a junior in high school. Uh, the very first game of my junior year in the very first quarter, I was hit on my left side and broke my left oh, ankle. Oh, man. Wow. Ended up missing much of my junior season. I remember coming home from the hospital with the cast on my leg and calling my dad, who was at work, with tears in my eyes, saying, Dad, this means that not only do I miss my junior year of football, which I was really looking forward to, but now I won't be able to play college football because you get recruited during your junior year, and I wasn't a big recruit during my freshman or sophomore year, so this was going to be everything, and now I'm not even playing. I have to kiss that dream goodbye. Yeah. My yeah. dad said, well, Kirk, you don't know that, and we don't know what, what, what's going to happen. But more importantly, beyond just football, you have to trust the Lord right. with your life right. and with the plans he has for you. And so that's when uh, he quoted Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to me, which at that moment I made my life verse, which yeah. those verses say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. And so at that moment I said, I'm going to trust the Lord my understanding says I'll never play college football, but I'm going to trust the Lord and see what he has planned. And even if football doesn't work out, trust that he has a plan. Yeah. And uh, he has been directing my steps ever since. And I look back now and I realize God allowed a broken ankle and missed time to happen so that it would drive me to a place of total dependence on him. And sure. so that when the college scholarship did come in, yeah. and obviously far beyond that has transpired on the football field, I would look back and have to say God did it. Because in and of my own power, I was at a place where I said, this can't happen. And yet God made it happen. And he, he taught me he's so much bigger than a broken ankle. Yeah. And you know, that's that Romans 8, 28 principle where, you know, God works all things together for good to those yes. who love him and are called according to his purpose. And yes. the, the university you re were recruited by was kind of your dream school, right? Well, what was interesting is that uh, I ended up with a total of three scholarship offers. Two of them were to mid-American conference schools, uh, Western Michigan and Toledo. Michigan State was the only Power Five conference team that offered me, and so I and I didn't play a single high school game with a college scholarship. All of those scholarship offers came in after my high school career had finished. They came wow. in in the last couple months before signing day, and so I look back now and I realize that if I had had 50 or 100 offers, not yeah. only would I have had a lot of pride walking around the halls in my high school thinking right. I was a big man on campus, yeah. but also I may have made the wrong decision and gone somewhere else. Sure. And the Lord really brought me to my dream school all along. Even though it didn't feel like I was big man on campus the whole time and I was fighting for an offer, where I ended up getting the offer and being able to go was the best possible school for me as I look back and realize it. So the Lord works everything out. Uh, maybe not as we would have wanted it. Sure. And maybe the path yeah. isn't as smooth as yeah. we would want, but, uh, but he works it out. So if you're in that spot right now with the broken ankle and no offers and you feel like, wow, life's just, it's too soon to give up, 
you just never know how God's going to work things out, right? Right. I mean, that's Amen. what he did in your life, and it's amazing. Amen. Now, I'm amazed at your background. You grew up, your dad is a pastor, right? Tell us so, about how, how that worked, growing up in a pastor's family, and sure. how you came to know the Lord. Well, I'm a PK, pastor's kid. <laughs> so, obviously, I grew up around the church uh, all my younger years, and I remember being in the back of a, a service before the service started. I was seven or eight years old, and my dad explained to me, we're going to take communion today. Here's what that means. You know, you're a sinner. We're all sinners. Uh, that separates us from God. Uh, in order for God to have a relationship with us, Christ came and died on the cross and rose from the dead to have victory over sin and death. If you accept that gift of salvation through his, his death and resurrection, uh, you'll have eternal life with him and be able here in the here and now to have a relationship with him. And yeah. I accepted that, wanted to do that, prayed that prayer. But at seven or eight years old, while I'm saved, you only understand it so much. Right. And life right. continues to happen moving forward. And you have to continue as you grow and as life throws things at you, you have to continue to make a decision. And I'm going to sure. walk with God. And it was in high school when a teacher uh, challenged me. He quoted 1 John 2.6, where it says, Those who claim to be in him, those who claim to be in Jesus, must walk as he walked. And so the challenge was, does your walk look like the walk of, of Jesus? Do you really look like someone who claims to know him and not just uh, uh, claim and then not really live it? And right. so at that moment, I put a stake in the ground. I said, I'm going to walk with him right. through life. Yeah. And uh, it's not just going to be a prayer that I prayed at seven or eight years old. But when life gets tough, when the fires get hot, mm -hmm. I'm going to walk with him, even if it costs me something. And yeah. so if culture goes this way, as it so often does, and right. Jesus goes this way with his yeah. walk, I got to walk that way. And this, even during high school, this is, this even is during high came. school. And it was so important for me because I ended up attending a large secular university in Michigan right. State. And had I not made that decision, it's scary to think where I may have drifted uh, with, you know, where social, uh, you know, college life can take you. It almost sounds like the story of Daniel, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you mentioned this before one time, how, you know, Daniel, yeah. you know, in the lion's den, that came as an old man. Right. But that was based on a decision he made as a kid, right? Yeah, in the book of Daniel, and I challenge you, especially young people, to go and read that book. But in the first chapter, Daniel is pulled out of his community as a young man, young boy. And he is meant to be brainwashed by King Nebuchadnezzar and the society there, the, the secular world. Because he's seen to be someone with a lot of skills and, and strengths. And so they want to kind of raise him up in that kingdom. But they want to raise him up not to be Jewish like where he grew up, but to, to, to be of the culture that he's going to. And so they want to brainwash him. Well, Daniel's okay with that to some degree, but he doesn't want to do anything that would compromise where the Lord has asked him to honor him. And one of those ways is in what he eats. And so Daniel respectfully goes to the king's people and says, I'll do some of these things, but I'm not going to eat the food that I'm not supposed to eat based on my faith. I'm not going to cross that line. And he knows this might get him killed, but uh, they request permission and they give him permission and the Lord ends up providing for him and not only provides for him, but ends up blessing him such that he stands out above all the other young boys and uh, ends up elevating himself in that kingdom. And so that's really the moment where Daniel had to dare to be a Daniel. Sure. And he had to make that decision as a young person. Am I going to walk with God or not, even if it costs me something? Yeah. And so this Daniel in the lion's den, that ends up happening later in the book of Daniel when he's probably in his 80s. And so the decision at that point to walk with God is a no-brainer. He's done it for his entire life. But it's that decision as a 15, 16, 17-year-old when you're saying, am I going to walk with God or not? That's so important. And so to high schoolers, to college kids, make that decision. Put that stake in the ground. Because I look back and realize that it was at that time, 15, 16, 17 years old, when I made that decision, 
that so much of my life on the football field and off the football right, field right. has been impacted by ever since. Absolutely. So you, you graduate from high school, go to Michigan State, and uh, at the very end of your career there, you meet a wonderful woman from Georgia. <laughs> You lucky dog, you. <laughs> but anyway, tell us about how you met Julie. And about your, you got two boys now. Got yeah. uh, Cooper, Co and Cooper and Turner. And Turner's eight weeks old. That's right. Yeah. Do we have a picture that we could throw up here, guys? Do we have that? Yeah, they're only 17 months apart, so we've got our hands full at home. Oh, man. Just got a beautiful, beautiful family. Right, tell us about the whole story about how you met Julie. Yeah, so um, we had a family friend who knew both of our families, but we didn't, our families didn't know each other. We just knew this friend. And she said during my senior year of college that the Lord put it on her heart that Julie and I ought to meet. And so we both kind of laughed because Julie's at the University of Georgia and I was at Michigan State. And we thought, that sounds good, but we'll never meet. Um, well, as the Lord would have it, our two schools uh, both played in the conference championship games for our conferences. The Big Ten championship game for me and the SEC championship game for, for Julie's school. Well, both of our schools lost that day. And in losing, our schools were then paired up to play each other in the bowl game. And so as a result, this family friend said, now they got to meet. Their schools are playing each other. <laughs> so after the game, Julie was at the game with her family. After the game, I met her. She caught my eye. I followed up. We kept in touch. Started dating long distance. Got engaged and then got married. We've been married five years now. Man, two that's kids. awesome. So awesome, awesome, uh, it's amazing awesome. how life keeps going. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. There's a couple, couple things the Lord taught me through that experience. And one is... Uh, the power of having a walk with God where you hear and respond to God's voice because this family friend got up one day, had quiet time with the Lord and just heard a still small voice, if you will, or a, or a nudge from God that Kirk and Julie need to meet. Think if that person had not gotten up that morning yeah. and, and listened. Maybe God would have used someone else, but still uh, you realize the blessing that it is for people who walk with God to hear God's voice and to respond to it. And then um, I've also learned just how important it is um, to trust the Lord and to, and to believe that in adversity, God uses that. I mean, it, yeah. took, it took a loss. Oh, you know, yeah. our, uh, probably the toughest loss I've ever had in a football field. Sure. It took that loss to bring me to my wife, which was wow. a far greater victory than any kidding. football victory. You won, bro. So, you I won. won. <laughs> That's right. So you it just won. goes to show God, again, in Romans 8.20 can use oh, it yeah. all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's amazing. It's, almost, it's, all, it's always too soon to get discouraged. It's always too soon to give up because God's still in play. That's right. And you just never know where he's going to go with things. That's right. Okay. Now, last week I, I did a message for single people and I talked about how to find somebody who's on the same page before you choose to marry. Ta talk to us about what you were looking for, what Julie was looking for when you're single, going through the right. university, uh, hope to be married someday. What kind of person are you looking for? Well, that phrase being on the same page is so important. And the Bible uses the term, uh, do not be unequally yoked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I believe that not only means that we ought to date and then marry another believer, but uh, really we ought to date and marry another believer who's at a similar walk with us. Because uh, even once you're a believer, there's a spectrum sure. of just came to know Christ and have a lot to learn and grow in and someone who's been walking with the Lord for 25, 30 years. Yeah. And so many times you have the person who's been walking with the Lord for 25 or 30 years who marries the brand new Christian 
And that can create a lot of tension early in a marriage because you're trying to work through those differences. And so um, it's important to not only be equally yoked from a believer standpoint, but to be equally yoked even within your background Mm -hmm. within that. And I think uh, that that will save you a lot of heartache and frustration if you understand that going in to the dating process. Somebody who loves the Lord as much as you do. That's right. Amen. Pray for somebody like that. Amen. That's awesome. Okay. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. You play in the National Football League. And we've all heard the crazy party, crazy temptation stories about life and professional sports and that. Talk to us about, uh, you know, how do you manage that temptation? How how do you deal Um, with some of that stuff? Well, first of all, you have to understand, you know, Satan whispers lies to you that if you engage in this or that temptation, it's not really going to hurt anybody. It's not really going to hurt you. It's just a little bit of fun. Don't worry about it. It's a lie. There are consequences for every sin. Absolutely. And uh, I have to remember truth and that that, that's a lie and that the truth is that um, there's so much to lose Mm -hmm. and that to break that trust with my wife or to, uh, um, you know, discredit, dishonor the Lord would have far more destructive uh, uh, consequences, not only to my walk with God, but certainly with the public stage that I'm on. And so I have to remember that as I go through my life. And then just just set up guardrails in life, to set up accountability. Man, talk to us about those guardrails. Sure. So, you know, whether it be, um, you know, I have a software on my phone that uh, any website I go to will be emailed to my wife. Yeah. You know, so there's accountability there. Right. um, To, you know, having teammates that I check in with. and. You know, making sure the people I do life with are, are people that, uh, uh, that are walking with God yeah. and that I'm not, um, you know, drifting away from that relationally. And then, you know, when we travel, I try to bring my wife and yeah. bring my family so that I'm not uh, in isolation. And if my wife can't make it, which many times she can't, uh, making sure I travel with somebody so that there's accountability from that standpoint. Because yeah. I do think Satan can work in isolation and he tries mm-hmm. to, you know... Uh, tempt us when we have free time, when we're bored, and when we're isolated. Yep. That's when he can attack. Yeah. And so yeah. trying to identify those moments in my life and then put up guardrails so that I'm not uh, left exposed for, for, sure. for Satan to attack. Man, that's smart. Hey, uh, what do you, is there anything else you do to keep Julie from worrying about you? Because you have to travel a lot. I know she travels yeah. with you a good bit. But is there any decisions you've made or values that you feel like uh, keep her from having to worry about you? Well, it's just so important to build that trust up right. over time. Trust right. is the foundation of all relationships. And so uh, that trust can be violated. And sure. as you go through a marriage over 50 years, I'm sure that from time to time that trust can be broken and yeah. you have to repair it. But right. it's much harder to repair it than it is to just maintain it. And so Amen, I try to brother. you know, do my so best true. with communication so true, um, uh, and being proactive up front with right. talking to her about my schedule and where we're going and what we're doing and where we're giving and making sure that we're on the same page and yeah. communication so that parts of my life aren't a mystery to her. Right, right. Uh, and, and so when she feels like she's included and on the same page and vice versa, I think it can work a lot more smoothly. What do you think Julie would say is the greatest challenge in your marriage right now? That's a good question. I should ask her that when I, when I leave. Yeah. But, um, Let me get my phone out. I'll call her right now. You know, for, right. for Julie, her love language is quality time. And so she feels loved when I'm spending time with right, her. Right, right. And uh, one of my just natural inclinations is to be kept very busy. Right. Going back to before I met her, I just was always running around left and right trying to do things and accomplish things. And so I have to be careful not to uh, fill up the white space in our sure. calendar. Yeah. And as someone I met with a few weeks ago said, you know, they said Jesus kept a lot of white space in his calendar. He yeah. didn't try to fill up every day, yeah. months in advance. Right. He kept open space and time. Right. And I think it's important for my marriage that I, even in all the great things that are happening, 
that I, I don't sacrifice uh, the quality time I spent with my wife. And, and one of those ways to do that is to maintain and observe the Sabbath. Sure. And every single week to have one day that is truly off right. where we right. can be together and rest and restore together. Yeah. And so that, that sabbatical rhythm, that having time with the family out of work, is that one of the stress relievers in your life? Or how do you deal with it? How do you break the stress yeah. that comes from competing at the level you compete at? No, there's no doubt that home is a great safe place for me. Right, you right. know, in the life I'm living, I'm in a fishbowl and coming sure. home from a game can be a very uh, difficult thing. But as I walk through that front door, it's great to see my wife and my boys and know yeah. that this is a safe place for me. And they love me no matter how many interceptions I may throw in the game. So yeah, that's, right. uh, that's, that's a blessing to yeah, have it that. It is, man, I'm and, telling uh, you. And that's it reminds right. you of the unconditional love that Jesus has for us. Oh, yeah. We're not performing for him. He right. loves us no matter what we may do or not yeah. do. Uh, he just wants a relationship with and, us. And work, man. Your, your work is high, uh, high velocity, man. Yeah. I heard a story about you uh, FaceTime with Colt McCoy <laughs> while, while your son was being, uh, you were in labor with uh, Cooper. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, Tell so we, about that, we were... Uh, we, my wife had gone into labor with our first son about a year and a half ago. Our, our son Turner, who's here in the back, was born two months ago. So March is a great time to have a baby for an NFL player. Yeah. Not a lot going on. Uh, unfortunately yeah. or fortunately, however you want to look at it, our first son Cooper was born in late September. Ooh. So we were Ooh. in the heart of the NFL season. And yeah. we are a little nervous about when he might choose to arrive. Uh, but he, he showed up on a Friday night. And we were playing on Monday night in Kansas City. And so... Um, on Friday, it was a day where uh, Julie went into labor in the morning, so I left work and was there all day and missed the day of work to be at the labor yeah. whenever Cooper would be born. Good call, by and the way. So in the, in the right. mid-morning, yeah. uh, we had our third down meeting, yeah. and we're going over our third down plays, the third down defenses. It's a very important meeting, critical to winning the game on Monday night. And so I FaceTimed into the quarterback meeting from the labor and delivery room. Yeah. Uh, and got all the updates from Colt because he was another quarterback oh, on the man. team. So wow. uh, that was a way of trying to find that work-life balance, you know, that you're always struggling to find. But I knew I had to be ready for the game Monday night, and I knew I needed to be there at the birth of my yeah. son. And yeah. by God's grace, he was born at a time where I could do both. But man, uh, but uh, the coach was gracious enough to let me be at the, at the delivery, and uh, uh, it all worked out. You know what I love about that is that struggle to do all the important things. Yeah. Because, you know, it's so easy to just let go. And you either, yeah. you know, abdicate your work responsibilities or you abdicate your home right. responsibilities. But to, to try to struggle for balance. Right. Well, I, I, I believe that Satan wants us out of balance. Yeah. And he doesn't really care which side we're on. So he doesn't care if I was so engaged at work that I have no family life and my family's a wreck as a result. Right. Or even that I'm so obsessed with my family that I'm a poor witness to my coworkers. And right. they say, oh, that guy's lazy, doesn't really work hard, just gets in as late as possible and leaves as early as possible, that's a terrible witness as sure, well. Absolutely. Satan doesn't really care. He just wants me out of whack. Yeah. And where the Lord wants me is in balance. Yeah. And not just in that area of life, but in all areas of life, he wants us in balance. And there's a work-life balance. And it's never a perfect rhythm. Right. You know, I tell Julie, there are days where it's going to feel like we're teetering closer to work. Yeah. And the balance is more heavy towards work because it's that time of year, it's that right. time of the week. And so it works that way. But there are other times of the year where we can move closer to family because there's something called the off season and That's I don't right. have to be at work as much. <laughs> so great. you try to find that balance and constantly course correct. And I think yeah. that's part of the Christian life is understanding that there's constant course correction and and God gives us that direction through his word and through his spirit. Man, that's awesome. You know, uh, with, with the kind of, you know, pace of life that you're, you're dealing with, are, are there any communication hacks, 
you know, just any ideas that really help you and Julie stay connected and keep co communicating even through all the, all the uh, pace of life stuff. Well, the Sabbath is a great way to just be yeah. intentional. That, hey, yeah. We're, yeah. Go, going forward every week, you know, Julie knows there have been some six-day stretches that have been tough for her that, man, I'm not seeing Kirk much. And because quality time is her love language, those six days can be rough. But she yeah. knows the Sabbath is coming. Right. And so it kind of gives her a hope that, hey, just around the corner, there's a day of restoration coming for our relationship. Yeah. So that's a built-in positive. But then just being proactive and looking ahead and saying, hey, this is coming down the road. And and, uh, you know, she'll text me often in the middle of the day and say, hey, what time are you planning on coming home from work? Right. And she's not saying get home as soon as possible. She's right. just saying, I'd like to know what time you're going to be home, whether it's four o'clock or eight o'clock. So right. I can plan accordingly with the kids and with dinner and everything else. So yeah. Yeah. just trying to be proactive and communicate and say, hey, I'm going to be home at eight. I'm sorry it's a little later tonight, but that's the way it's going to be. And, sure. and, uh, and then she can react. So just communicating, I think, helps. And then Huge. she knows that if I'm communicating that yeah. she can, you know, love and serve me and, and help the best she can. Man, that's fantastic. All right. Now, I know in your career, you have to deal with a certain amount of criticism. You know, you start a new job up in Minnesota. Everybody's expectations. You would have won the Super Bowl this year. You know, of course, everybody expects that every year, right? Right. Oh, and yeah. So you have to deal with a certain amount of criticism with that. Matter of fact, I heard that you made a little Instagram post about being in Miami and Cleveland, and now you know why LeBron left and came down here right. and got like 4,500 negative yep. responses yeah. in like a day, right? So how, yeah. do you, how do you help Julie deal with the, how do you deal with the criticism yeah. that comes because of your work? Yeah, how I do pretty you much just put on social media that I like warm weather. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the people in Minnesota didn't appreciate that for some reason. So for some reason, so yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't win any fans over that day, and, and so the, the criticism, I guess, is a part of the deal. And you got to take the good with the bad. I'll be the first one to say, look, it yeah. is a dream come true to be an NFL quarterback, and there are so many perks that come with that job. So yeah. hear, hear me on that. But you know, as a result, there's also a lot of challenges and criticism, sure. and you're a public figure, and so you can be challenged, and uh, um, that certainly you know happens all the time, and. And it's a great opportunity for me as a Christian to extend grace to people yeah. and to not lash out or respond, but to just say, you know what, uh, you know, I'm going to exercise the fruits of the spirit, uh, you know, joy, peace, patience, kindness, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and extend grace. And so uh, it's a great way for me to practice that. And I think on a smaller scale, all of us have social media and uh, to young people, uh, you're posting photos or comments and people like or dislike them. I think that's a very difficult thing socially to deal with at a young age, but to just understand that uh, uh, what would Jesus do in those moments, you know, and, and there's no need to lash out in anger, but to, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and to respond with patience and grace. And I think that uh, if you do that, uh, God will be honored and uh, really your social life will be for the better going forward. Yeah. And you know, the higher profile you have, the more you draw criticism. And I, sure. I love what you're saying that I don't have to let criticism define me. Uh, I don't have to see myself the way my critics see me. Right. I can see that as just the way the world is. And man, I can show patience and kindness and yes. gentleness in response to that Amen. without letting that run me at all. Amen. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, Christ died for me and I'm, I'm as screwed up as anybody. So yeah. when you realize that, uh, that, you know, what he did for me, I think I can extend that to somebody else once in a while too. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about financial stress. Now, you know, that financial stress is the number one cause of divorce in America. Mm. And man, it just, it just comes. Now you have a reputation for being extremely frugal. <laughs> Matter of fact, when you went in the NFL, you bought like a, a van from your grandparents and drove that, is <laughs> yeah. that right? Yeah, I did. That's uh, awesome. Uh, we were looking for a car that we could take to games with our family and my grandma no longer had need for her big conversion van. And yeah. I said, well, 
I'll take that off your hands. <laughs> and crazy. I ended up driving it more than I thought I would, and so teammates kind of gave me a hard time for that. Did they really? Yeah. You don't expect to see Not a 20... Not everybody first year goes out and buys a conversion. Yeah, 20-year-old yeah. conversion van pulling into the Vikings facility every day. <laughs> it was right. a little bit different. But, right. but it's fun, and it's, it was a nice car, and, oh, and it, it gets the job done going to and from games. It's great for tailgating, so we have fun. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome, man. All right, now you have a very large, very publicly known salary and yeah. thank God, of God, God bless you. How do you and Julie intend to steward that? Well, it's a great responsibility for us and you know, my salary is public knowledge and so um, um, it's not like I'm you know, unearthing anything here, sure. but uh, uh, it's well known that quarterbacks in the NFL are paid well. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and we believe that you know, Luke, tw Luke 12, 48, Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is required. So we believe we're going to give an account for what we've been given. And we, we do understand we've been given quite a bit financially. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, not to be too morbid, but the current death rate is 100%. That's right. Okay, so That's we're right. all going to die someday. Right. We're going to stand before a holy God. And the first question he's going to ask us is, do you know me? Do you have a relationship with me? Are you saved? What would you do with your sin? But then the second question he's going to ask is, what did you do with what I gave you? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're going to have to give an answer. And uh, Julie and I are, are very aware that that's coming. Right. And so every dollar that comes in and goes out, we, we think very carefully about, you know, where is this going and what is it doing for eternity? Sure. And so that starts with our giving, yeah. about giving very intentionally. But then it also goes along with our, our saving yeah. and, our, and our spending. Sure. And we want to make sure there's not a lot of self-indulgence. Yeah. You know? and, and I think the giving aspect, you know, we want to take our fists from naturally we're born wanting to do this with, with our finances and hold on to everything we can. And the Bible makes it very clear where we ought to do this and open yeah. them up to say, Lord, what do you want to do with it? And it also makes it clear that we ought to give. And God has a hard time filling fists that are like this. Yeah. He yeah. can fill hands that are like this, but you know what he can fill even better are hands that go from here to here and right. then back to here again. That's what he can really fill. And so we believe that tithing on our gross income is, as someone told us, they said, Kirk, that's like training wheels. Right. That's where right. you start in your giving is yeah. to tithe 10% on your gross income. But... We felt like uh, we should grow in that, just like you grow in any other area of your life. And yeah. so every year we want to give a larger percentage of our income to grow in our giving. Mm -hmm. and, and it's amazing how, as we've committed to do that, the Lord has blessed us financially far beyond anything we thought was possible. Yeah. And yeah. so we're going to keep continuing to give in greater numbers. Um, uh, and, and he's continued to provide such that it makes it easy to keep doing this sure. because of the way yeah. he's... He's providing, and I think it's a great example for our kids. I mean, I can't imagine raising my kids if, if my wife and I were living life like this. Yeah. I mean, they would be the most selfish, uh, self-indulged children, spoiled brats, really. Right. And when you live like this and this, and your kids see that, yeah. uh, they're going to pick that up, too. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that I'm setting an example for them. It's a them. matter of character that they, they catch, they, they see in their parents. And you can tell passed. them all you want to give, but when right. they can see you doing this day in and day out, I think that's, that's caught. How do, you, how do you and Julie deal with financial stress? Because, I mean, you know, there's a stress that comes from not having enough money. Right. And then there's a stress that comes from having so much. Yeah. Man, how, how, how do y'all manage that stress? Well, I don't want to stand up here and say, oh, it's so difficult having you right. know, the salary we have right. because there are so many blessings. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I do talk with my wife far more about finances than I ever did in our early years of marriage. Yeah. You know, now it's a far more of a leading thing in our conversation because there is so much wrapped around that. Sure. And so um, that can be a dominant topic and we want to steward it well and it can be a bit of a weight. Um, but it, it is so important in our marriage that we do talk about it yeah. and that we give in unity. 
Yeah. You know, I don't want to give and then go back and tell my wife, oh, by the way, we gave over here. I never told you. Right. Uh, or right. vice versa. You know, we want to do it in unity. Yeah. And at times that means compromise. At times it means she, want to give, she wants to give here. I don't agree. I want to give there. And she doesn't agree. We've got to work together sure. and, and compromise. Yeah. And I think that's a healthy thing in our marriage to make sure that we're all on the same page. Dude, that, that whole thing that you're talking about it is huge. Sure. I mean, you know, because I think what breaks down sometimes is when we just either give or don't give and don't talk about it. Yeah. And what it communicates is a disrespect yes. to our spouse. And man, that just begins to create all yes. kind of, you know, chaos in the home. And so yeah. even if it's a difficult conversation, talking about it is healthier yes. than not talking about it. And I've learned that um, having more money come in really only makes you more of what you already are. Yeah. Um, and people think money will solve all their problems, but if there's a brokenness in who you are without money and then money comes in, that brokenness is only going to be accentuated. Yeah. And so we want to make sure we're healthy people right. Right. because if God's going to bless our lives financially as he has, we can't afford to have there be brokenness because right. now that's going to be doubly distorted sure. with Absolutely. what he's given us financially. So it's all the more reason to make sure that your spirit and your soul is healthy. Yeah. Uh, so that as God brings blessings your way, you can steward them yeah. responsibly and appropriately. Yeah. All right. Let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about your faith at home and, and your faith at work. H how do you as a spiritual leader in your home, are there any practices that you're trying to, you know, just stamp on your family? So for your son's sake and for your wife's sake as a spiritual leader? Well, I think it starts with just my own quiet time, carving yeah. out a time in the morning. I try to get up maybe a half hour earlier than I would have just right. so I can have that time to open scripture, read scripture and pray before yeah. I go to work. Yeah. And then additionally, um, you know, just being intentional about church attendance, giving, um, you know, as I raise my boys to just have them be in the word. And, right. be, you know, the Bible makes it very clear in Deuteronomy six, you know, the Lord talks about these principles I'm going to give you today in, in scripture. Talk about them with right. your kids as right. you as you get up, as you lie down, as you walk along the road, as you eat, as you sleep. Talk about it yeah. so that everything you do in life is infiltrated with the gospel and with scripture. Sure. And that's the way I, I want to parent and the way I want to uh, handle my marriage. But then also at work, you know, be very intentional about having time carved out each week to gather with other believers in, yeah. a, in a team Bible study. And yeah. then to have a team chapel the night before games and to have a prayer time each week to start the work week with a few other guys where we do a quick 15 minute yeah. prayer time just to commit the week to the Lord. So we have these moments, you know, yeah. throughout the week that we gather together in community at work as well yeah. uh, to honor the Lord and to make sure that he's at the center of our work. How does the church thing work for you with the travel yeah. and, the, and the schedule on that? How's that work? Well, it's unique because I'm working on Sundays. Yes, and so are. our Sabbath usually ends up being Monday or Tuesday, right, the day that I right, take off. And right. then um, additionally, you know, my wife tends to go to church on Saturday nights yeah. and I'm usually not there because we're traveling to a game. You know, there, there are churches with Wednesday night service. Wednesday, you guys got a Wednesday night service. We just haven't had one right here. I'm so just saying, bro. Our church, when I played for the Redskins, had a great here Wednesday night service. So <laughs> yeah, that helped. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you do what you can. And then I've realized that really my church becomes my teammates at the Vikings. Right. And so we have a chapel service night before games. Yeah. And that kind of becomes my church community. And the chaplain of the team really becomes my pastor yeah. and my sounding board to, sure. to walk through life with. Yeah, man, fantastic. Okay. Do you ever feel disrespected? in the NFL because of your faith? Well, to be disrespected because of your faith, I think would also require a boldness right. in your faith. And, right. and at times I would confess that I haven't been bold enough. Yeah. And so I haven't received the disrespect because I haven't been out there bold enough. And there are times where I've regretted not being more bold right. in sharing my faith. And yeah. that's something I'm praying about trying to grow in is having the courage to walk across the locker room 
tap someone on the shoulder, look them in the eye, invite them to Bible study, yeah. you know, challenge them a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and I also never want to do anything that would divide our locker room sure. or prevent there being team chemistry. Yeah. I believe that uh, God is all about unity. And so um, I want to try to create unity amongst our team. And so if there ever was tension or I pushed too far, I would certainly respond by saying, hey, you know, that's fine. You know, no, no need to push right. farther or to try right. to create any tension. So, yeah. um, you know, I want to respectfully uh, share my faith and then listen to who responds. And that's awesome. That's a, so you've tried putting flyers in the lockers. You know, I've learned that but, from putting flyers in the locker or a, or a group text message to invite people to a prayer time or a Bible study is a, a good way to do it. But ultimately, you've got to build relationships right. and you've got to be face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Because when you make it personal and you make it relationship-based, that's when I think people respond. And that yeah. does take more boldness. It's a lot easier to impersonally send a text sure. or put a flyer in a locker. Sure. But I've just found that teammates on the fringe don't seem to respond to that as much as a personal relationship. Yeah, the bolder the better. Amen. That's wild. Okay. All right. We're almost out of time here. Let me just ask you three final questions. What do you wish, if you could tell your high school self something today, what do you wish you could tell your high school self uh, about following Jesus? Well, it's a very simple message. And fortunately, it was the message that I received as a high schooler, which is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I just don't think that you can, I think that sums it all up. Right. You know, if I were to say to a high schooler, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. And high schoolers and college kids go through this phase of saying, what am I going to major in? Who am I going to marry? What career will I have? Do I, what additional study do I pursue? Right. And you have to understand that God will take care of all that. Right. Honor God with your everyday life, right. and he'll take care of the lifetime. Yeah. And um, the last 15 years for me, since I made that commitment, it's just been a great testimony to that, that God takes care of the, of the, of the future and the big decisions. But you got to be surrendered to him, walking with him every day, getting up, saying, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I trust you more today? And when you do that, he says, thank you for giving me the keys. I can drive this thing better than you. Yeah. You get in the passenger seat. And awesome. nothing in our nature wants to do that. Sure. But uh, to any young person, I would say, you know, are you really walking with him? Are you really committed to living for him and with him? And if you aren't, uh, take that verse seriously and, and get in with him. Okay, we got a, a, a bunch of single people in our church. We got uh, football players here today, uh, high school students. We got military, college students, lots of single folks here. Uh, if you could give one word uh, to our single folks today who hope to be in a great marriage one day. Yeah, that's their hope is being a great right. marriage one day. What would you say to the single people here? I'd say a couple things. The first would be focus on becoming the right one, not on finding the right one. Yeah. Uh, so often we're just waiting for the right person, but we ought to focus on becoming the right person and continuing to grow in that. As I heard one pastor say, uh, focus on being the person that you're looking for is looking for. Right. So right. Uh, uh, becoming that person that someone else would, would be thrilled to marry someday. Sure. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, you know, I would just say, um, you know, sex outside of marriage is not God's intent. That's right. And so when you're living in singleness, we need to be serious about the fact that purity is a big deal to God. Yeah. And, and in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, the pure in heart will see God. Right. Okay, there's a reward for those that walk in purity. And so I think it's, something, it's not something that God's just kind of, well, it's kind of gray or he's not really clear on. I mean, if you read God's word, he's very clear that uh, sex outside of marriage is a no-no. And so I just say to anybody who's a single, you know, wait. Wait and have self-control and patience because God has something better within the confines of marriage. 
uh, that will keep your life uh, in the fairway, as we talked about in yeah. the first service. Not living life in the rough, but living life in the fairway. Man, that's awesome. Okay, all right. 30 seconds to go. You got one play left. You're in the red zone. You're going to call a play that's going to enable married people here to have a better marriage two years from today than they have right now. What play do you call? Well, taking out that Sabbath was a big deal for my wife because, as I said, her love language was quality time. And so knowing that she had that every week was transformational for us. Uh, I would also say that, um, you know, going back to Scripture, and, and then uh, Emerson Egrich has a ministry called Love and Respect, where that ministry is founded from Scripture, where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave uh, himself up for her. But then also, wives, respect your husbands. And, and we found that my wife wants love. She wants to receive love. Yeah. But I want to feel respected. And so she, what she ends up doing is communicating what she wants, which is love. So she communicates love to me, and I, I just kind of shrug my shoulders like, thanks, but it doesn't mean that much. <laughs> but when she communicates respect, I mean, I'll run through a brick wall for sure. her. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah she yeah. respects me. Yeah. And vice versa. You know, I try to show her respect by how hard I work and what I'm trying to do for the family. And to yeah. her... She appreciates that, but really to communicate love to her means so much more. And so uh, that love and respect is a big deal yeah. uh, to speak the correct language to your spouse. And then along with that, Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, yeah. you know, it, it was so important that, that I learned that Julie's love language is quality time. Sure. So I have to intentionally find ways to create quality time to make sure she feels loved. Yeah. And then to me, my love language is acts of service. Wow. And so having... Uh, acts of service, uh, when Julie, you know, just does something around the house, I feel so loved right. and, and appreciated and yeah. respected. And so uh, she knows that. And so she's constantly looking for ways to, to do acts of service. Yeah. And it's great to kind of get on the same page in that standpoint. And you know, that's the thing. If we can, if we can discern what our spouse's love language is and then learn to speak that language right. and intentionally do that, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there any question I should have asked you that I didn't ask? I think that's a pretty good summary of my life and where I'm at. And I, I will also just say, yeah. uh, first of all, I stand up here and try to quote scripture and share my story. I'm, I, I'm still f trying to figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm screwed up and uh, I'm a sinner. And I think we all have to recognize that. Yeah. And yes, while I try to walk the straight and narrow and, and try to be a good husband and a good father, uh, don't think for a second that I've got it all together. Uh, I've got issues and fears and doubts just like the rest of us. And then secondly, I would just say... Um, uh, you know, God's plan to, to redeem the world, to fix the world, and to bring light to darkness is through the local church. Right, right. Through this, through Compassion uh, Church, God has a plan to use this uh, to make a difference. And so he wants to partner with us. And I would just encourage you to get involved, uh, to give of your time and your, and your treasure and your talents to, to make a difference here because they are doing, uh, they are making a major difference. And uh, I, I was equating uh, church oftentimes is, is like a football game. In football, you have 22 people on the field playing who are getting exercise, but they really need a break. And then you have 70,000 people in the stands who really could use some exercise <laughs> who are just sitting there. And too many times that can become the church. You have the staff of pastors serving like crazy, doing all they can to reach people and to help with people's brokenness and how to bring healing and restoration and, and, and to spread the good news of the gospel to as many people as possible while the rest of us just kind of sit on our hands and do nothing. And that's not the Christian walk. You know, God wants us to get involved, to get out of the stands, get off the bench and get in the game. Not because he needs us and doesn't know what to do without us, but because 
that's how he can bless our lives and right. bless the lives of our children and bless our marriages is when we get involved and we serve. And so I would just encourage you to find ways to bring your talents to this church and to make a difference because this is God's plan to bring redemption to the world is through the gospel, through the local church. And uh, I've gotten to know this man a little bit over the last few months and got to see this church. I see a lot of churches around the country. You have great leadership, uh, great uh, shepherding by these pastors. And uh, just like I have to give an account someday for the finances that God's given me, they have to give an account someday right. for what God has given yeah. them here. And they know that. And they're living life very intentionally to make sure that when they stand before the Lord, they can say, you know, look what I did with what you gave me. And so know that you're partnering with people who have the right heart and uh, that they will steward well what you bring to the table. All right, y'all, what do you think? Kirk Cousin, let's thank God for him, man. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Love you, pal. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. There he is. Flying the flag. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Think about that. Trust the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Now, you know, we've heard from a guy today who was taught that as a young man, taught that as a young athlete, took that to heart, gave his life to Christ, has been trusting the Lord with all his heart, leaning not on his own understanding. And God has directed his path. And that is what needs to happen next for some of you. There are some of you here today who need to decide to trust the Lord. You need to trust the Lord with your marriage. You need to trust him with your children. You need to trust him with your work. You need to trust him with your life, and you haven't done that yet. And friends, if you've not made that decision to trust the Lord with your heart, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. You'll never be in a safer place than you're sitting in right now. You'll never have more people pulling for you than are pulling for you right here. And friend, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to encourage you in just a moment, we're going to have a commitment song and give you an opportunity, if that's what you're ready to do, to trust the Lord with all your heart. If you did that in the past and have kind of crept away from it or faded out or drifted or whatever, man, this would be a great time to turn it around and come home. Man, rededicate your life to walking with the Lord, trusting the Lord with all your heart. Friends, if you're here today and you're carrying a burden that is so heavy, you don't know how you will be able to carry it. I just want to ask you to come and let us pray for you. Let us minister to you today and, and so that you can begin to trust the Lord with whatever that burden is. So stand with me, everybody. Let's all stand together. Andrew's gonna come. He's gonna lead us in a song. Father, I wanna thank you for this opportunity we have today to hear uh, from our friend Kirk. And Lord, to hear how you've worked in his life all through his life as he's trusted you. And he's trusted you with his uh, work. He's trusted you with his family. He's trusted you with his soul. And I just pray, God, that there will be others here today who will follow his example. I pray, God, that there'll be young men here today who will just draw a line in the sand today and say, this is the day that I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. I pray, God, that there will be others who will do the same. And, Lord, that you will work in the lives of people in this room today, Father, to bring them to yourself so that you can direct their paths. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Now, listen, if you need to make a decision for Christ, Andrew's going to lead us in this song. I'm going to be standing right down front here. Man, I want to encourage you to summon your courage and come today and trust the Lord with all your heart. Here we go. Come on.